Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer, coming to you from snow-covered and a little bit chilly, I guess, Cat Swamp Road. We haven't dipped below zero yet, and uh, so, but I do before I tell you about that, because farmers always have to talk about the weather. I want to thank you so much. I welcomed you, but I didn't thank you for getting together with me here today. And I was going to say on rural radio, but this is the podcast. This is not the radio show. And uh, But anyway, back to the weather. We have uh, got some snow this week, not too bad. And it got a little bit cold. Uh, it hasn't gotten down to zero. I think the coldest on the weather station I saw, because it records it over the night, uh, was, I think, six or seven. So about six or seven degrees plus fahrenheit so uh, it's not too too bad and uh the uh c-a-t-s which everybody but f-a-i-t like well, she's outside everybody but faith is in here at the moment and the operative word in that sentence is at the moment you're probably <clears throat> tired of hearing that and uh she went out just before i started to record but it's a little bit cold some snow and uh I think we had two little snow events. One was about five or six inches. And then uh, the thing yesterday, we got about four inches. So probably about eight or nine inches back on the ground. The other nine inches melted. And it's supposed to warm up a little bit this week. So maybe that will melt, which is not too bad. But uh, the cold does stress everything. And uh, like I've always said, extreme heat and extreme cold stresses everything. But historically, cold has more of an impact on machinery than heat does. And uh, so, well, let me put my tongue back on my thoughts in my head, right? Which is not not too good. And uh, the stress, when things get stressed, they fail. And oftentimes, these failures because of the thermal stress, because of the cold stress. And even if it's not cold stress, most times in life, things that happen are unexpected. I just spoke to a friend of mine, Tony, he gave me a call. And I haven't spoken with him for, I'd say, a year and a half, which is sad, because it was not by design. Everybody's life gets busy. And then, uh, but then I didn't realize, then he had told me that about a year ago. So, yeah, because I, he he uh we worked on my boiler two years ago so uh this one next month will be two years so it was probably six or seven months after that he experienced a stroke but thank god he's fine and they said he was going down the new jersey turnpike uh coming back from sunoco he does a lot of work for the sunoco refinery down there he's a mechanical contractor and uh he was on a New Jersey turnpike, and he was uh, driving, and all of a sudden, the, uh, he said, I'm not laughing, he said, the turnpike started to spin around, and uh, he had his worker with him, thank God, so he was able to uh, get his van over to the shoulder, and then he told his, his worker to uh, call an ambulance, because, call 911, because he, they didn't, well, they knew where they were, but they didn't know where a hospital was, if that makes sense, right? They knew where they were on the, on the New Jersey Turnpike, but not where the nearest hospital was. And he ended up spending, I guess, a week or 10 days in the hospital. So that's obviously unexpected, right? And so most times when something fails, it is unexpected, but sometimes the failure is not unexpected. So in other words, it's giving you some sort of problem. It's talking to you. I'm talking about machinery, uh, or even your body, right? You say, geez, I don't feel good, I don't feel good, I don't feel good, or something, and then it's giving you some sort of indication, and you ignore it. And uh, like I always say, there's a fine line between reading an indication of your health and then being a hypochondriac. But uh, I think most of us would be able to know when something, this is not right. But when it comes to your machinery, these failures if it's not talking to you and if it's not giving you any indication or there's faith in meowing it's not talking to you well i'm gonna have to just put this on hold hopefully i don't lose it because it is about eight degrees outside and she is meowing but when she comes in she's gonna want to be part of this show so hold pat while i try to get this faith in thank you for staying with me during that i don't want her to be outside in the cold she uh 
when I open the door to, for her to go out, I always tell her, she always dilly-dallies, and she looks, she doesn't know whether she wants to go. I told you before, I said, $4 a gallon heating oil, Faithy. You got to make up your mind. So I should not say her name because that is going to be an invitation for her to come to the podcast. And maybe she'll just go to sleep. But anyway, so then uh, I apologize, and I want to thank you for your patience with me because it completely ruins my train of thought. But... Um, so things, some lots of times things talk to you, and uh, you know that it's giving some sort of problem. You're you, you, you're crossing your fingers and say, "Hopefully that's not really. Hopefully that's not a problem. Hopefully it cures itself." And then, uh, and then all of a sudden, boom! You have some sort of failure. Either a piece of equipment doesn't start, or it breaks, a hydraulic line breaks, whatever it may be, a million different things. So, what I want to talk about today is because. I've seen this so many times, and it was brought to my attention uh, by somebody who reached out to me, trying to remember what kind of water was on. I don't remember. Excuse me. And uh, I said to them, well, if you're going to be in there, meaning you're going to be into that operative site on the piece of equipment, you should also consider doing this, this, and this, because you're going to be in there already. And when I had my shop, uh, if I were repowering it, uh, a vehicle, and what, in the industry, what we mean by repowering is that we're putting a new motor in it, uh, not a junkyard motor. We're putting a new or a rebuilt motor or something in it. And I, I used to do a lot of, I would, I'm saying Chevy, Chevy trucks for no particular reason, but. When the first of all, number one, in my whole career, I never replaced an engine because it wore out. I re- replaced an engine because somebody did something to it, so it was murdered, right? It was neglected, and that's why it broke. It was never, never we said, Well, things got 800,000 miles on it, and it shot. No, because even the ones with 800,000 miles, no matter what they were, were still running. Granted, they may have been leaking oil, they may have been doing something else, smoking a little bit, but what have you. But when there was a catastrophic failure, I was always because it could always be backed up to some sort of neglect. Now, I'm not going to say that that's always the case. I'm not going to say in life that nothing ever breaks. A transmission doesn't break. You're, you're talking about transmissions. Usually, they don't break. They The transmission wears out. So if your transmission is starting to slip, then the clutches are starting to wear or something is going inside. So that's actually a wear item. If you're, like I had a uh, my old 68 Dodge Dart, that transmission, well, the transmission didn't break. The reverse band broke, all right? And, uh, and because somebody who had it before me was rocking it in the snow and, and with their foot on the gas, boom, from reverse, to, from reverse to forward, reverse to forward, and it snapped the band. So that actually did break, but it could it was it could be followed back to why it broke because what somebody did to it. But anyway, I'm not going to sit here and say that nothing ever fails and nothing breaks because then it would be like saying, well, nobody, every person, every person should never die or every animal should never die, right? Well, the thing is that machinery is a little bit different. So we have to quantify. Did some is something wearing out, and we're going to work on it, or is something going to break? You, if it breaks, that's catastrophic. That's like my friend Tony with his stroke. He's going down the turnpike. All of a sudden, boom! Something happens. All right, so that is a break. He had a a, a break in human health. But if you are going to get into doing something, and the fact of that, what I'm the point that I'm taking the yellow brick road here, nine miles long to go to is that if you're gonna if you're gonna be working on something then you need to look around that piece of equipment that engine that transmission whatever and say well if i'm gonna have to take this apart what else should i replace and i started to say when i got myself off on the side on 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 a tangent is that when i would repower a vehicle and why i did a lot of gm stuff was um I had a lot of customers with, with GM trucks, but the fact of the matter is GM had come out with that crate engine program. 
and that crate the crate engine program they had they had a 350 engine throughout rear 350 uh one piece rear main engine and it was um you could put a throttle body on it, a carburetor on it, or what have you. It fit in a Silverado. It fit in a van. It fit in a in it fit in a uh, a pickup truck. It fit in a Caprice. It fit it fit it fit, it, it fit almost in anything. All right, with a one piece rear main, and it was it gave you from oil pan. Uh, it was a long block, no intake manifold. Gave you a water pump. Gave you everything there that you needed. All right, to, to repower this engine, and it was at a remarkably low price. So what happened is that when the opportunity came up, I used to sell that, meaning tell people this was a very good way for you to go, because at the time, now I'm talking 25 years ago, that motor was like eighteen dollars and $1,900 with a GM factory warranty, and everything was brand new. You could not, I used to tell them, you, I, and the people who would come to me were, were race engine customers. So let's say that, so the guy had a drag car, or he, had a, he had something like that, and then he had this everyday vehicle that he used for his business or something, and that's what we were talking about repowering. So I wasn't out on the street corner soliciting some plumber to come in with, a, with an old Chevy van or Ford van and do something for it, is that I was... I was servicing my customers, my race customers, who obviously every race car person has an everyday vehicle or some sort of business vehicle. So that's how that came about. So I said, well, so, so I'd come and say, look, what I would do with this thing is I would buy one of these GM crate engines. And at the time, Ford didn't have that program because you could get them so inexpensively. They have a complete warranty and uh everything is brand new it's not rebuilt it's not a rebuilt crank it's not a re it's not resized rods it's not an overball block everything is brand new but i would say that whenever you're repowering something what we need to do is look at a lot of the consumables and we need to replace them so when we're putting this engine back when we're putting this engine in the vehicle if it didn't come with a water pump i believe most of them did some of them did not because if it was a serpentine belt it was reverse flow so you had to buy a water pump for it. uh the water pump gm gave you you couldn't use so i said to him well we let's let's put new ignition wires let's put a new distributor cap on it let's put new you know let's put a new thermostat let's, whatever it may be i'm not going to go round robin here and the fact of the matter is and usually at that particular point let's say the engine was eighteen hundred dollars is that we would usually end up putting another thousand to fifteen hundred dollars in parts in this engine so now this eighteen hundred dollar engine became thirty three or thirty four hundred dollars and a lot of people would want to step on the brake then right whoa 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 it's almost double the cost of the cost of the engine i would say majority of them did not because i would explain to him said look let's put this in here and then we're gonna i said uh and you're not gonna pay more money into it you're gonna change the oil and that's it so you're gonna ride it for three four years you're not gonna be putting new ignition wires on it you're not gonna be doing all of this you're not gonna be putting uh, uh new spark plugs in a new distributor cap you're not gonna put a new fuel pump in it because we're taking care of all of this all right so and what and i'm suggesting the same thing to you especially when you're working on today's equipment so and it doesn't have to be an engine so let's say that you are working on a hay baler and a bearing went bad in the hay baler and you have to pull pull this whole mechanism apart because i'm not i'm not going to try to visualize every hay baler on the market or you're working on a combine or you're working on a transmission right or you're working on an engine you have a cylinder head off an engine for some reason you burnt up you popped the and uh, you popped the uh, head gasket or whatever the fact of the matter is is that you need to stop and look at all of this and say what parts should i replace because they are going to be very easy or much easier to access with the this component off this engine off this transmission off so for instance all right let's say that you have an engine with a one-piece rear main seal i don't care what it is be a john deere tractor could be a ford 302 all right and for some reason you have to put a clutch in it 
All right, you have the transmission out, so you now you have access to the back of the crankshaft. All right, why would you not want to just take the flywheel? Um, well, you can have the flywheel off because you're going to resurface it. Why would you not want to put a one put a new rear main seal where in those type of applications with a one piece you're not dropping the oil pan they usually have a carrier back there that holds the seal you unbolt that it's a lip seal you clean it you put the new seal in in 15 minutes you're done why would you not want to do that all right if you're taking a transmission now why would you not want to put a new mount in it all right a new transmission mount then if you're pulling the drive shaft out and the universal joints have a little bit of a little bit of plan why would you not want to change that and that's why it is so important for you to look at the big picture now there is a problem it gets a lot more complicated when you're dealing with farm equipment even though the same ideology holds true is that you because if a piece of equipment happens to break at a key time in your agricultural operation, you want to try to get this piece of equipment back up and running as soon as possible. All right. So you may say, well, I had the, I had uh, whatever the, uh, the alternator went bad and I have to pull an alternator off on it. But where this alternator is, it's a real nightmare. And I have to also, and it's, it blocks the thermostat and it blocks the water pump and this engine has whatever eight thousand hours on it so it would be behoove you at that particular point i'm making up stuff to change your water pump and change the thermostat because there's eight thousand hours on this tractor or there's eight eight eighty thousand miles on this truck or this car or what have you and then you say well i called the dealer and i can't get the water pump for a week or i can't get the whatever it may be for a week because it's back water all right so it's coming it's it's so uh i i could get the alternator and get this get this piece of equipment back running in three or four hours or five hours but if i'm gonna have to hold the whole job up if i'm going to have to wait for those parts now this is an essential piece of equipment so at that particular point you grin and bear it and you say to yourself well it's really important for me to get my corn in the ground all right so I'm not going to listen to what Ray says because Ray would not listen to his own advice if he were in this situation. And he's just going to do, excuse me, what I call a taxi cab style repair because in New York City, that's what the taxi cab people would do. Whatever broke, they just want to fix that. No, 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 no. They just want to fix, get it back running, and they want to get it back on the road so they can make money. So you're doing a taxi cab style repair, but that is because of the situation. But why I was coming into this show talking about that there's things that talk to you and there's a potential problem with it down the road. So let's say, arguably, that the water pump is starting to leak a little bit or make noise on an engine say okay well i could still get through this or i could still use this whatever it could be a vehicle it could be what have you or a piece of farm equipment and so you say all right now let me look at this engine using an engine for an example but it could be like i say it could be a hay baler it could be a combine it could be a grain bin dryer it doesn't have to be something that moves like that you could say well i gotta get into this grain bin dryer and take this apart and there's there's a sensor in there that's really a nightmare if that sensor fails and it's five years old i have to take everything back apart again and empty the grain out of it so maybe i should change that now or plan on changing it so then what you need to do is to look ahead and amass those potential wear item parts that you are going to have much easier access to when you are doing the repair so if you say well the water pump is leaking i'm going to nurse this through i'm going to get i'm going to get my grain delivered i'm going to get the i'm going to be on vacation two weeks from work so i'm going to wait for two weeks and i'll do this when i'm on vacation whatever it may be all right and and whatever situation is and then what you do is you start to amass those parts so that if there is a delay and there is so much a delay today with parts that there is a delay with parts that you say that's no problem i'm going to do this in two weeks when i get done with with whatever whatever i have to do with this piece of equipment and then when i take when i take it apart i'm going to have everything that i need to do this job properly and not do it taxi cab style 
and you know this sounds very very rudimentary and you and probably a lot of you that are listening are saying to yourself well you know this is so rudimentary it's like talking about <coughs> excuse me how to change oil or gap spark plugs and and you're saying to yourself well this audience you know, hey hot rod this audience is way beyond that well the fact of the matter is that the majority of people in that work on equipment whether they work on it professionally or they work on it captively so if you work on your equipment in your farm shop within the industry you're called a captive repair facility so you're captive you own it you're not out soliciting people you're fixing your own farm equipment all right or you're fixing your own car you're you 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 work on your own car in a garage or in a driveway what have you so the thing is that you're a captive repair person and it never ceases to amaze me how many people that i that i respect i respect for uh, for their knowledge and their abilities and services when something fails or they're taking something apart and usually it's a failure so well, you, hey you had that off did you change the intake manifold gasket nah i didn't you know i didn't change it it looks pretty good or did you did you really clean those intake ports when you had the in using sticking intake manifold off did you did you did you clean the intake ports nah, I, I really want I, I you know everything was everything was i wanted to get it back together and then when you say that you want to get it back together then oftentimes that comes and bites you so like i say is that you have to perform triage when you're working on equipment you're working on engines you're on the side of the road metaphorically well you're not gonna say well i'm gonna go put a new oxygen sensor in there because i'm doing this and i got the manifold off no i mean so the thing is that if you want to get the you want to get it up and running but when you have the opportunity to do that and really realistically probably 90 percent of the repairs you do have the opportunity to do that <clears throat> to do it properly but people like i said and you know who you are when you're listening and i know like I, i'm repeating it i know people that are well respected in this industry and they go i don't know I, I, I just want to get done it's good enough it's still good it's still good it's still good it's still good and i'm not saying or i'm not implying that you go and rebuild the whole combine you rebuild the whole engine in your car i'm not saying that you rebuild your whole whole grain elevator you're I'm not, I'm not saying that whatsoever but if the if the repair that that caused if the failure that caused you to take everything apart is going to give you easy access or easier access all right when you're repairing it right for instance in case in point i know this for a fact you could take a, a, a i believe it's a 2.8 twin turbo engine in an audi a4 and that is i don't know what years i would say probably six or seven eight years old whatever because they change the body style they change it whatever but some i'm using this as you know, some audi a4s 2.8 twin turbo all right, nice driving car if you like that kind of European feel. Doesn't do anything for me, but whatever. God bless you. All right, and very complicated timing belt system. All right, now when you t to get to well to properly do this. All right, and this happens with a lot of equipment, not just an Audi, but to properly do this, you need to take the nose off the car. The whole front fascia, the headlights, the grill, you have to take the radiator out, discharge the air conditioner, take everything off to complete the, what they call the front dress of the motor, which would be the alternator, the power steering, all right, the, um, the everything, <clears throat> the belts, the pulleys off to get to these timing belts. Now, using that as an example, and there's a million of different examples like that around the on, on machinery is that well, you have to take this all off and in in audi's infinite wisdom which is volkswagen <laughs> infinite wisdom all right the way the timing belt is run and for you to take the timing belt off you have to get here it's like it's like it's like digging up you know, dig, dig, digging 10 feet down to get the septic pipe or something whatever 
right, is that the thermostat is there. So how many people rip the front of an engine apart, in this particular instance an Audi, to do because a timing belt failed and they do not change the thermostat? And you have a major, forget about it, I mean, if the customer's paying for it or if it's a customer job or I guess if it's capped, if it's your tractor, it's your car, and you're in there and you don't change the thermostat, all right, because you're so far in there and then you put the, you put it all back together and in three days or three months or three minutes, the thermostat sticks, all right, and you have to take that whole engine apart again because the way it it's designed you can't even test run it because you have the radiator off you have the air conditioner off, the front dress of the motor off everything off forget about the front bumper and the headlights you got to take this whole thing back apart and then you put this all back together and using that as an example textbook example is that a lot of people end up hurting a a a used thermostat today all right when they're filling it back with coolant because what they do is that they don't they don't pre-fill the system properly and they let it run so i'm not getting circulation because and they end up spiking the temperature the metal temperature of the thermostat because there's no coolant there and then the wax pellet the wax motor the seal ruptures and remember the spring using this as an example the spring on the thermostat closes it right so if the wax motor ruptures or fails when the wax pellet when it leaks it leaks i'm not laughing it leaks out the seal and then you can't push the thermostat open and you just put this whole thing back together in this particular instance an audi and it's all for naught because it's overheating you have to take the whole front of the car back apart again so that happens very 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 often people go and they'll 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 pop a head gasket right and they'll say well that i i you should that hot rod farmer says you should always replace the head bolts but these head bolts are good enough to me and i i can't I, i'm not gonna wait the head bolts are expensive they said they put it back together and the head gasket fails prematurely in a week or two weeks or whatever because of the head bolts used head bolts so i'm not gonna say that 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 everybody is making the wrong decision but the fact of the matter is, is if you have a piece of equipment that that you have the ability to control when you're going to do the repair, then you better use your eyes and look around and say, what am I, you know, well, the thermostat's easy on this, so I'm not going to worry about changing the thermostat now, all right, because it's easy. But the fact of the matter is, if you have to drain the cold and the thermostat has been in there for many years, put a new thermostat in it because there's a possibility that it's going to go next, right? Just like one bulb burns out, one headlight burns out, shortly thereafter, the next headlight burns out. So that is a hallmark of, and it's a psychological hallmark. It's not a mechanical hallmark. The design of the piece of equipment may be poor, like Audi. Nobody's gonna, nobody is gonna argue that. All right, but this, the world is full of poorly designed equipment as far as its serviceability is concerned. But the fact of the matter is, why is it psychological? Because either the person fixing it, if you're captive. You're fixing your own farm truck. You're fixing your own tractor. You're fixing your own car to go to work, right? We have an eclectic audience here, right? You're ticked off because you weren't planning on this because if the water pump is making noise and you're planning it, say, well, it's making some noise. When I get, you know, in two weeks from now, when I get done with harvest or during the winter, I'm going to take my time and take that apart slowly and I'm going to make love to all the bolts, whatever. You're ticked off because because you because this threw a munch, monkey wrench into your work which i agree same thing with me all right you ticked off all right and then you ticked off because now you're spending money that you didn't plan on spending you're investing time that you didn't spend that did you didn't plan on in, investing into it right all right and it's re you had plans to do something else and now you're laying underneath the tractor all right so the thing is that so you're all ticked off and now you're saying well now i got to extend this job now i got to spend more money right and lots of times it's a financial 
it's a financial component everybody's not made of money <clears throat> they don't have an especially today they don't have an artesian well of money bubbling up and a lot of people they well, i don't want to put you know uh, you know like the people say to me with the with the repower i'll go for eighteen hundred dollars for an engine i want to go for the fifteen eighteen hundred dollars almost almost for accessories on this engine all right why can't we put the old stuff on there it's still working well you could you yeah you could do that but then you're going to have to be prepared to do possibly do that again when it, that particular part fails and you have to be strong enough given the situation and i'm not saying that there's no exceptions to the situation you say well i know i got to put a band-aid on this thing right taxi care prepare because i got to finish getting my corn planted i understand that i respect that and i have been there also all right temporary repair band-aid repair let's get it back in the field let's get it back on the road whatever has to happen right get it back on the road and then but do not kick the can down the road and it's easy enough to do because life is busy especially especially in agriculture so many things that are going on they say well you know it's running pretty good now you know i listened to what that hot rod farmer said but let him go to hell it's running good now and i dodged a bullet on this all right and maybe you are the person that dodged a bullet on it i'm not going to deny that i mean years ago my uncle um, the, the one I told you, like, oh, he was like, literally, I've told you this before, so I'm not going to repeat it. I, I'm well convinced whoever was the the the, the writer or the, uh, whatever they would say, creator of the uh, All in the Family TV series back years ago had met my uncle. Of course, there's too many parallels. My uncle had a, a, a 66 Valiant that he bought new and i told you a story before when i was a little kid he bought this valiant new and my uncle never had a car with an automatic transmission before so this is this is this is just it's some it's some flavor to the story so when he used to drive that valiant for years when he came to and he lived in queens new york so it wasn't like he was in a, in in quick key iowa all right whenever he would have to stop at a stop by and try in traffic he would he had this down pat i mean he was he had this down so smooth it was unbelievable he would put the transmission park and put the emergency brake on it was because the valiant had a hand operated emergency brake underneath the dash you you twisted the handle you pulled it up and then you twisted it and took it off the threads like a, almost like a like a like a caulking gun right all right and then you push it down so he had this so in traffic he'd in park and pull up and the reason why he did that because he said he did not trust automatic transmissions that they wouldn't roll all right so park was not good enough so anyway so he has this valiant and and i, mean, I was a kid at the time so what do i and the part is that when i got older i found out so he has this valiant and he's coming home from work one day and the bypass hose starts to leak the radiator bypass hose starts to leak and uh, that was a 170 he had a 170 slant six which was a low deck height motor so the bypass hose went from the water pump uh right i, I think it went into the it probably went into the block not the cylinder head uh but any if yeah probably i think it may have gone into the cylinder head. i don't remember anymore but anyway it was on the 220 the 198s and 225 slant six the deck was higher so you had more room it was a pain in the neck to finagle the bypass hose out and then but on the 170 you had to pull off the water pump to change the bypass hose and this car had had i don't even think it had power steering so but so you had to pull off the water pump so what my uncle does is i don't know where he got it on the way home so this the bypass hose starts to leak and what he does is that he finagles in there and puts electrical tape on it and seals and 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 gets the electrical tape on there it was good american made tape back then he puts electrical tape on it fills it back up with water with probably with water knowing him not antifreeze even though the engine was fairly new and he drives it goes home well all right so fast forward the car was i don't know maybe i don't know it wasn't brand new maybe a year or two old when that happened based upon what my uncle said now i'm a young man i'm 16 17 years old 
I'm I'm working on cars. I'm fixing cars. I'm I'm I'm, I'm not I'm, for people I know. I'm fixing farm equipment, fixing the tractors, right? So my uncle, I used to fix my uncle's car for him. So the water pump started to leak out of the vent hole. Now, so this is you figure. If I was a couple of years old, so maybe this is 12, 14, 15 years later, I'm a young enough man to be able to spin, to, to swing a wrench and work on a motor, tune up, you know, right? So the thing is that, so I took, so I, I, I buy a new water pump and you had to buy a piece of half inch heater hose and cut it to size. Uh, you bought a foot of heat hose and you cut it to size because you couldn't buy that bypass hose, right? So I take, so I take the, take the, take the uh water pump off and i'm looking at i said my god i like i said i'm a young man i'm looking so what the i used a <laughs> used a, a word that i shouldn't have worn well i was a young guy so uh so what the is this and then so after i fixed the car i get it back to my uncle and i said oh uncle chris when i took the water pump off to change the water because he used to call me butchie change the water pump off off i said the bypass hose had looked like it had electrical tape on it and so that's when he told me the story so that by now he had that kind of luck he put electrical and that bypass hose was still not leaking 14 or 15 years later the water pump was leaking out of this out of the weep hole the seal went bad but uncle christie's repair with the electrical tape held i mean it was still holding so the why I'm telling you that story was that my uncle Christie, God rest his soul, uh, you know, yes, I can understand putting the electrical tape around the bypass hose on the side of the road to get home, but not to leave it there for 15 years because it did not leak. All right. So, and then wait for the, and, and and then wait for the water pump to go, and then I take off the hose and see the electrical tape on. So, but oftentimes that what's that's that's what happens. And I'm, what I'm trying to do today is to convince you uh, that you really, really need to be very proactive because what it was, you know, when I started this podcast a few years ago i said my and i still use it on the radio so sometimes you know agriculture runs on machinery but profits on reliability profits on reliability right so if you have and profits on reliability is a broad-based statement specifically when you're talking about agriculture but then i'm going to move it over into the guy who who who's listening to the show who works in town and the thing is that because you want to maximize the efficiency and the reliability of your equipment because when a piece of equipment is down, even if it's down for a, a one dollar fuse, all right, then it can't f- perform the job it needs to perform. And if that it happens to be, you know, planting corn, all right, and you go in there and you can't plant corn because to be ridiculous because this fuse is blown. Well, it's only a dollar fuse. But if you if you cannot get your corn planted when you need to get it planted to get the highest yield, then that is affecting your profitability. So so that statement is meant to be very broad. And that was my intent when I coined that phrase to be very broad. Now let's say that you that you I'm not a farmer you're out in the country you work in town right whatever it may be and uh, and that 10 cent fuse that one dollar fuse could stop you from getting to work that day and maybe you're on a per diem or maybe you had to take a day off with no pay but you lost it whatever it may be so the fact of the matter is is that there is a link between reliability on farm equipment and profitability and so many times i shouldn't say so many things the industry i have to say for the most part refuses to see that for the most part not most of my audience but refuses to see that and the thing is that and but most people with with machinery excuse me refuse to see that also because they're ticked off because the pipe broke in the wall all right the toilet broke in the house 
all right so the thing is that they're ticked off the washing machine something happened and they had no intentions of that and 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 no intentions of putting money into that no intentions of having it and it messed up their day all right and i agree with that a thousand percent it messes up your day it messes up your plans well a nail in the road messes up your plans also when it gives you a flat tire all right so the thing is that that's life and you just have to learn to deal with it but i don't want you to uncle chris something and put the electrical tape on the bypass hose and keep it there for 15 or 16 years because you think you dodged a bullet all right my uncle chris happened to dodge the bullet but the good lord was with him because nobody else in the world would put electrical tape on something and have not have a hose leak for 15 or 16 years afterwards all right but that was the case and uh it's it's something where i see it time and time and time again so for instance let's say not even a repair or a failure right the person you know in the in the car business we had a say we had a saying and it's really not applicable to agriculture it is but it's not one-to-one applicable and we say that you didn't have the time to do it right the first time but you always managed to find the time to have to do it again so for instance all right people are hooking up hydraulic lines on a piece of farm equipment right that they last time when they took the hydraulic line off the last time all right they didn't bother to wipe it they didn't put the dust cap on it or the dust cap is missing or i'm not saying hey oh let's stop what we're doing here we got to go to town and buy a dust cap how many pieces of farm equipment the dust caps are completely missing or they're hardened they won't go they won't go into the uh into the quick connect adapter or go on the line because they're too hard and now and and they don't and now there's all dirt getting in there right well they put hydraulic lines they 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 put the hydraulic line in into a quick connect without wiping it off first even if the dust cap is there because they don't keep a rag handy they're not thinking that way all right so so i do it all the time yeah you do that all the time all right and then that's the person who's gonna have go 25 or 30 years and never put a hydraulic pump on their tractor or their piece of farm equipment or their skid steer and that guy who's going to always eat hydraulic pumps all right or the person is the type of person that always runs their fuel tank low not i'm not saying never run it low i'm because i always run mine till i till till i the low fuel light comes on and they fill up with fuel but they're always putting to it you know the five or ten dollar guy that you know ten dollars in the tank and the fuel pump is always the electric in tank fuel pump all right is always running uh if that application has it is always running hot because the the fuel whether it's gasoline or diesel on an intake fuel pump is the coolant so they never want to fill up the tank they always want to ten ten dollars ten dollars ten dollars every morning ten dollars to go to work ten dollars to go into the field right whatever it may be a couple of gallons and this and 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 they're they're eating a fuel pump because oh i don't have the time or i don't have the money to fill it up all right so and it's usually in that particular point it's the money but you find the money to buy a 400 dollar fuel pump when the piece of equipment is 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 kaput all right and not working and you have to buy a 400 dollar fuel pump so the fact that so it's always this balance and the balance is because people don't want to want to accept the fact that that when you do something there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it and in many instances that the right way is going to be because of the wrong not because of the wrong because of the part failed and say you're in there let's do this let's not take it apart two or three or four or five times but people are continually doing that and then what happens is they have a piece of equipment they it gets older and gets older and then they get on this constant merry-go-round and their their their, uh, 
moaning and groaning. Oh, I just put an oxygen sensor in last week, and oh, uh, I did this or oh, the combine. This happened. Uh, you know, I had to put one. I put a. I put. I put a bearing in the header, and then three weeks later, another bearing went bad. Oh, now the hydraulic hose burst, and oh, the pump went. They're they're they're, they're moaning and groaning about stuff. All right. And then what they do is they don't look at the big picture and say, well, if I'm going to put, if I'm, if one bearing went in the header of the combine, then I'm going to replace the same bearing on the other side of the spindle, right? So if one headlight burned out, I'm going to put another headlight in given that opportunity, right? So if I take the dashboard out of, of something because one bulb burned out, I'm going to put all new bulbs in the dashboard cluster so I don't have to take it out 14 times, all right? And the thing is, it's like, oh, this bulb burned out now. If I change one belt on, on, on the engine, I'm going to change all of the belts. If I change one idler pulley on the serpentine, all right, and there's another idler, I'm going to change both idler pulleys because if the bearing is most likely going to be worn in that one as it is in this one. And <clears throat> that is so simplistic. That is so simplistic, but it is probably the 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 largest or the most common not largest the most common overlooked problem that the industry faces and that is the person who is constantly constant i'm not going to say you can't have a piece of equipment and take the proper care of it. and this week something goes and two weeks later something else goes and three weeks later something else. i'm not going to say that's not a that's that's not that's not possible that's impossible you could get a flat tire go buy new tires and get a flat tire with the new tires five minutes when you out of the tire store and you run over the bolt all right that's that that's that but the likelihood of that not the likelihood of that happening is not too great and and specifically in agriculture is that we cannot control 99 percent of the things in agriculture we can't control the weather we can't control the markets all right we 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 can't control those things but we can control how we repair our equipment we can control doing the job correctly all right we can control that and what happens is that so many times people do not choose to control the little bit of control they have in life all right all right and our in control in life is going away at least in this country it went away in the rest of the world from what i could glean but with the last bastion of america of some of we have some control of our life but but we choose not to control what we the little bit we can control all right and we choose to just to, to throw that to the wind also and then we end up with the results of that so it's very 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 important for you to to think that way and so as i recap this as i get ready to close because i'm i think i'm just repeating myself but i'm repeating myself because i want to give you examples and i want to drive this drive this home to you all right i'm not proposing that anytime something happens you spend a million dollars and rebuild the whole machine i'm not i'm not proposing that whatsoever what i'm proposing to you is if this repair has you gain access to something that is has a potential that is that is older also and has a potential to fail and will be very difficult to replace and or this same failed part will have to be removed again to gain access to the part that you did not change a la the audi timing belt taking the whole car apart and uh the thermostat then i would think and i'll use the uh, i you will be very foolish if you did not do that specifically if you have the opportunity to because you don't want to spend a couple of dollars or you're anxious in a hurry to get the job done because you didn't have the time to do it right but you'll find the job time to do it again i'm using that audi when that thermostat doesn't work three weeks from now and you have to rip the whole thing apart so that i'm not saying and you have and you have to apply some some critical thinking to this so let's say you have a year old piece of equipment and whatever it may be 
You have, let's say, let's make something simplistic, like a lawn tractor. You have a year-old piece of equipment, and it has uh, uh, two sets of blades in the mower deck, like my John Deere, and it doesn't have many hours on it. And the one, the one spindle, the, the well, they call them spindles. The the hub of the, for the bearings for the bl- the blade goes bad. All right, he said, okay, fine. I mean, this was a premature failure because because whatever the manufacturing defect, what have you, and the one spindle go bearing goes bad in one spindle. And this this lawn tractor making painting this complete picture, all right, using Zig Ziglar trying to make it ridiculous that the that only has twenty hours on it, right? Well, I'm not saying go in there and now replace all the spindle bearings, all right, because that one that one was a premature failure. It only had 20 hours on it, right? So if you went and you had, let's say, a dashboard light burned out and you had a new car or a new tractor and the one bulb was defective and the dashboard, one dashboard light out of 10 of them burned out prematurely the the three weeks that you had the piece of equipment, whatever, three months, whatever it may be, all right? The thing is that I'm not saying it that particular, well, let's rebuild the whole thing because we're there. No, I'm not saying that whatsoever. You have to be able to read the tea leaves of life with your equipment. You have to say, well, this thing is five years old. It's got 5,000 hours on it. Let me get in here and do this because I'm in here right now. And if it's something you say, well, I'm not going to worry about that because, because you know, if I need to change this other, this other bulb, it's two seconds, all right? I just have to go in there. It has nothing to do with anything. I, I have nothing to do with anything. For instance, let's say arguably, make another example. I'm, I'm wasting your time giving you examples. Some some applications, some vehicles, some equipment, it's a nightmare to, to, to get the battery out. Some of them are so easy, right? Some of them are a nightmare. You got to rip half the machine apart or half the car apart to get the battery out. All right, so now you're in there, and you have the battery out, and you look at the ground cable, which was hidden before. So now you look at the ground cable. So you clean the ground cable real good. You go and you look at the, you take the ground cable and you study it, all right? And you study, is any of the insulation cracked on the ground cable? Does it look like it has anything going on over here, right? You know, can I get access to the ground point now? Well, let me take, since I could get access to the ground point now because I couldn't get access to it before because I had to take half the piece of equipment apart to get to the battery, but now the ground cable where it grounds to the frame and the engine block is relatively easy for me to get to. Let me take that ground off and clean it, all right? And then let me clean that ground because I'm right here. Let me put some dielectric on it so it doesn't corrode. Well, do the job right. All right, do the job right. Not just throw the battery in. We need a new battery. Throw the battery in. And, And I'll tell you one thing as I get ready to close here. That I, this is no disrespect to anybody. All right, uh, not that I would know anybody per se that I'm going to mention, but the fact of the matter is, is that if you can, if you have the skills and if you have the equipment and you have the time and you have the ability to do a majority of your equipment repairs on your farm, your machinery, your car, whatever it may be, your your, your well pump, your lawnmower, all right, whatever it may be, and you have the proper thought process, then I would suggest to you that you bring all of those, whatever repairs you could do in-house, all right, and you do them the way you want to do them because the, the point that I'm working my way to is that I know some, I know a lot of people in the industry. I know a lot of people who work on equipment. I know, and nobody, and I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm not tooting anything, all right? But nobody that I know of does it the way I think it should be done. And I have very, I have friends of mine. They're very good friends. All right, I go to their shops. I go to their farm shop. I go see what they're doing, and you know the guy's taking the bolts out. He's doing something. He's replacing whatever it may be. All right, and, you know I'm saying, well, hey, you know, hey Joey, why don't you take the? You got the grind. You got the wire wheel. Why don't you just go clean those bolt threads and put a anti seize compound on it? It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. And those procedures. Or the guy, you know, is taking something apart, and they said, "Well, why don't you change that way here?" Well, yeah, I don't want to wait for it. The customer doesn't want to pay for it, all right? If it's not, and 
the fact of the matter is, is that I have never gone, sadly, to anybody's shop and seen repairs done on farm equipment, see repairs done on, on cars, trucks, what have you, uh, boilers, whatever, watching a boiler guy or something like that. All right, my friend Tony, when we do my boiler, he's not that way. That's why I like him, and he likes me, because we do things the way it is supposed to be done. But the fact of the matter is, please, on your farm, if you work on your own car, if you could do that yourself, and if it's practical for you to do it, if you have to make an investment in some tools, all right, I'm not saying that everything, all right, and everything is, did you take the whole world onto your shoulders? But if you have the knowledge to be able to do it properly, and, and that's what I try to do with this show, honestly, and I don't feel that I fully convey that or uh, and bring that to you, but if you have the ability, the knowledge to do things properly, you're going to put something together. I don't care what it is. You put it together clean. You clean the gasket surface properly. You clean the bolts and threads properly. You apply anti-seize lubricant. You do the job the way it's supposed to get done. You will so greatly minimize your downtime on your equipment all right and then if you have to and i you know i preach this a million times to people right open the hood let the heat out open the hood let the heat out all right not open and i don't care whether it's a farm tractor or a car open the hood when you have the ability and let the heat out because you're going to and you guys are sick of hearing this you're going to limit your thermal cycles all right so by limiting those thermal those thermal those thermal excursions those thermal cycles everything is going to last longer my wife has an old ZX2, Escort ZX2. It's a 1999. I bought it for her as a present, as a gift before we got married. That car still has the original ignition wires on it. That car still has the original intake manifold, intake manifold because they had a phenolic plastic intake manifold like most engines do today, all right? And over time, those manifolds used to crack, not just on, on ZX2s, on anything. They used to crack because they only could withstand so many thermal excursions, all right? I did, did I open her hood as often as I would like? No, because when she was driving the car, she wouldn't open the hood. But the thing basically is if I was able to let the heat out, let's say 50% of the time, use a number, I don't even know if that was accurate, all right, then in theory, I gave those components 50% more life. 50% more life, in theory, all right? 50 plus the thing is that even I, my old Escort, using that as an example, my old Escort, when I parked it, had 442,000 miles original everything original heater core original radiator uh, uh, you know uh did i change stuff yes i changed the thermostat all right i uh original alternate the only thing i used to put in was brushes right but the fact of but the point that i'm getting at is that let's say i had to take something apart in that with the plastic you know with the the, the, the plastic connectors on wiring harnesses under the hood all right under the hood that I never had to break a wiring harness connector. Never. You could open that hood right now to sadly the car's sitting in the edge of the cornfield up near the wood line, which you deserve much better than that. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, I don't know how it is now, but with 442,000 miles, if I had to disconnect the coolant sensor, which I, whatever, let's say I had need to get to the thermostat making something up, and I had to disconnect the wire from the coolant sensor, I'd be able to press that connection and pull it right off that's like putting anti-seize on a bolt when you put it back together so you're changing the water pump on your farm tractor did you clean the thread so you have the proper torque did you clean the gasket surface properly and then did you go and you put anti did you put anti-seize on the threads so the next time that you have to take that off all right you don't break the bolts how many people working on a planter? They don't put anti-seize on the threads of the studs that hold the tire on the planter. Why I'm using a planter is because they 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 sit in the, and usually some people can sit outside when not used, but they sit in the shed. They don't have a lot. Of, they 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 don't get used a lot. And then now you're going to plant and you get a flat tire, right? So now you I've had a I've seen people break every stud on a planter 
<laughs> all right, on a planter wheel because they're all rushed. The last time I took it off, they never put anti-seize on it, all right? Did they put anti-seize from the factory? No, and shame on everybody who makes a planter or makes something that they don't put anti-seize on it, all right? You have a flat tire on the side of the road, all right? So so the thing basically is that these procedures, you don't have time to put anti-seize on, right? You don't have time to clean the bolts. You don't have time to put a new thermostat when you're putting that timing belt on, but you have time to do it over again. So that is what this is about. Do the job once, do it right, and go on with your life, whether your life is raising cattle, whether it's raising corn, whether it's working in town, all right? as uh, you're in a printing plant or you're a police officer or whatever you may be all right the thing is that go and do not make get yourself on that merry-go-round with your equipment and if you're a person like me who likes to keep things longer for a long period if you're a lease guy god bless you forget about it if you're leasing your farm equipment say, hey, i don't give a damn every two or three years i give this back i lease my cars every i don't i'm like oh, the hell would you go to hell hot rod i lease my cars i lease my trucks i give them back every two or three years uh, i don't give a damn about that let the next guy worry about it all right well you can make a in my mind you can make a rational case for that business-wise not saying about leasing we say well i don't care because i'm, I'm you know it's going to be fine like i'm not gonna if i go and goes on a business trip and rent the car i'm not going to start to pull it off and oh, let's put some anti-seize here let's clean the mass airflow on this car all right <laughs> but i did do that once but <laughs> that's a story for another time and the thing basically is that uh but uh didn't put anti-seize but i did some things because i didn't think it ran right but i knew what it needed and so anyway we'll leave that for another time but uh so anyway uh i'm not then then that's fine but but as a human being and as a christian i'm saying we, we need to do things to the best of our ability our ability am i the best at something no all right i i mean so the thing is that to the best of our ability because we're doing it for the glory of god so i don't care in i'm saying i don't care i'm not being judgmental but if you lease your vehicles you lease your farm equipment right and you're going and you say well i have we'll stick with the flat tire right that i have a flat tire and and I'm going to take the tire off and I'm going to fix the flat tire and I'm going to put anti-seize on the studs of that one wheel. I'm not saying rip the whole semi apart, all right, and take and do it. I'm going to take put anti-seize on the studs and I put anti-seize on the back of the, on, on the hub where the, where the rim goes up to so it doesn't rust because I have the opportunity to do it because my $600,000 beautiful, gorgeous, drop-dead gorgeous Fent Momentum planter which is the SR-71 of planters in my book, all right, got a flat tire, so I have the opportunity to do that. All right, the thing basically is that, to me, is you when you do something that's right when no one is looking and if it's no benefit to you, then that, to me, is the character of a person, and I'm not being judgmental, all right? That's the character of a person. I'm not saying go rip the whole plant apart and anti-seize everything, all right? But if you have the opportunity, even if it's a lease, so you have a lease car, all right? You have a lease truck. You say, oh, hell it, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to put whatever, whatever. I'm giving this back. Well, yeah, you could, you know, you could make a business case for that, but you can't make a character case for that, in my estimation. In my estimation, you can't, all right? I mean, so the thing is that, Yes, if you have the opportunity to do that because you had to go in there and work on that, you had to change the tire, put anti-seize on the threads, all right? If you never had to change a tire, you have you have the, the, the vehicle for three or four years and you never had to do anything to it. I'm not saying rip it apart and do all that. No, that's, that, that's not what I'm saying whatsoever. But you are responsible as a human being, as the character of a person for what you have exposure to and if you choose to do it wrong or do it mickey mouse or do it whatever because it's not mine it's not mine then that shows your character i'm sorry and then when you have an employee 
all right? Or you or you have a rental property. There are people I got a rental property. Tenants knock the hell out of everything. Well, when you go and you, you when you're leasing something, you're doing the same thing. I don't give a damn because I'm giving this thing back in two years. As long as they don't charge me back, I have to hell with it. And I'm making I'm I'm being cruel and I'm being ridiculous, but it's no different. All right? To me, in my way of thinking, it's no different. So please do the job once, do it right. All right. Plan the job out. All right. Look to see what needs to be serviced or replaced when you're in that that site. All right. That operative site. Not rebuild the whole engine because you put a water pump on it and start to put new push rods in it. All right. But the fact of is, do the job right. All right. If you have to do a taxi cab, we'll call it Uncle Chris style repair, to get you back in the field to get you home, that's certainly understandable. But when the appropriate time comes and you say, well, hey, I'm going to fix this, I'm going to take the duct tape off the bypass hose after I get done planting and the tractor is in the shop or the car or whatever it may be, do it right. Don't kick it down, don't kick the can down the road thinking that you that you dodged a bullet here because you didn't dodge a bullet. And then if you have the opportunity to do something, do it to the glory of God. Do it right, even if it's a lease vehicle, if it's a lease piece of equipment. You know, put the I'm using something so simplistic and costs you nothing to put the anti-seize on the threads of the, 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 the studs when you change that flat tire on your lease equipment, your lease truck, your lease car, whatever it may be. All right, so I beat you to death. Hopefully you uh, got the message, and hopefully my goal is for this message to resonate with you and my audience but that i'm that i'm fully fully preaching to the choir that you're going there yeah hot rod that's what i always do yeah i agree with you i I tell people that so i'm hoping that in your mind when you listen to this show today you're saying i always tell people that i always do that yes you that you liked what i had to say because i was preaching to the choir and for those that i am not preaching to the choir all right that's fine all right now you have no excuses because it was it was represented to you in a proper way to do things so i want to thank you so much for tuning in and never forget that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you the american farmer and rancher on my beloved beloved america and never forget to always be kind to every animal no matter what it is you have a blessed day and thank you for letting me chastise you.